Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Good morning to each and every one of you. I'm glad that you are here today. It's good to see you in worship, and we welcome those who are joining us online. As we open our Bibles to Psalm 134, this is the final psalm in this playlist in the Psalms of Ascent. These these songs would have been the songs that worshipers would have sung as they made their way to Jerusalem. There were three feasts every year for worshipers to come, to bring the family, to attend, to come to Jerusalem and worship the Lord. It was God's chosen place for his people to gather, to worship him, to experience his goodness, and to radiate his glory to all people. Now, when I say the word home, you think about that word, what comes to mind? What do you think about? Now, it's probably, we can probably assume that there's good memories and there's difficult memories. If you think about the word home, it may be that's a, a wonderful memory and there might be some painful memories there because that's part of life. We all have an instilled longing in us that is a longing for home and it's never fully satisfied no matter where we are. It's never fully satisfied Because the Bible says that God has set eternity in our hearts. So there's a reason for that. There's a reason that we're not ever completely, fully satisfied (sighs) here. Because we we were not made for here, this life only. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 1, for we know that if the tent is our earthly home, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. And that's what this is. This is a tent. That's what the significance was in the scripture that opened our service. In John chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us, pitched tent. That's Jesus. The word made flesh entered into time and space and he does not run from our struggles. He doesn't run from our suffering. He doesn't run from our sin. He doesn't run from our shame. He went with a face set like a flint, the Bible says, to the cross to lay down his life so that we could be one day in his presence home. And we have a longing for that. Now, when the worshipers would make their way, so we've gone from Psalm 120 to Psalm 134, this is a psalm that is a night setting. It's a night service. Perhaps it's one of the final services that they really, this psalm really has impact because they're going to have to break camp. They're going to have to pack up and hit the road early in the morning, and they want one more service. They want to be in the presence of God one more time. They just don't want to leave yet. They love being there. The notes have reached their highest crescendo. They're finally in the presence of God. They're in Jerusalem. 
Everyone could be saying welcome home and at the same time, pretty soon you're going to have to get on the road and you're going to have to go back to where you live, to your home. Why, and I've been thinking about this, why would God have them come those three times a year? Was God just giving them busy work? Like, you know, pack up a family and travel three times a year. Why would he do this? When the Israelites were in the wilderness, they moved, traveled, traveled. Every time the pillar of fire would go up, the smoke would go up, the, the cloud, they would follow that cloud. And they were constantly wandering in the wilderness, wandering. What was God saying to his people by having them gather with him three times a year, every year? I believe it's this. Wherever you live is not your final home. He was telling in his goodness to his people, make the trip, I want to be with you, come, bring your family, bring your children, get in my presence, and remember, you're not home yet. Keep walking, you're not home yet, this isn't the final, this isn't the final place. So they would make their way to Jerusalem, and they would worship the Lord, and they would sing all of these psalms on the way. And when they were there, they would worship, and they would hear these psalms. They would hear the word of God, and they would make their way home, and they would be filled and overflowing with the goodness of God. And that's where this psalm ends, is at the highest step. Psalm 120 went from being a, I'm for peace, and they're for war. And I'm out here dwelling in, in this foreign, barren land. And now we end up in, we're in the presence of God. We're dwelling with him on earth. Beloved, we were created to worship. And this will become the driving passion of every true child of God because that's what we were made for. No one likes to have you know, a boat, and it just sits in the driveway. You ever, you ever see those? I know nobody has one like that. It's meant for the water, right? You want to be, it, let, let it be where it's supposed to be. Let it do what it was designed to do. And it's great if you have a massive sailboat, if it sits in your driveway. Let somebody else have it or something, right? Fix it. Put it in the water. This isn't where we were made to be finally, but they're there in the presence of God. And their hearts are filled and overflowing. Listen to what Augustine of Hippo said hundreds of years ago. He said this so well. If I could say something like this of my own, just one phrase like this. He said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. That's eternity in our hearts. And we can try and fill it with working, pleasure, relationships, you name it. Nothing fills it. It's only God that fills that place that one day we will then be at home with the Lord. Psalm 134, three verses. Come, your Bible might say, behold, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place. And bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. The last psalm in these 15 psalms. Have you ever climbed the mountain? When you got to the top, what'd you do? You got to the summit and you turn around and you look from where, where'd we come? Where'd we start out? You see where we started? There's the car down there. 
your donkey or whatever you left parked in the, in the valley below. That's where we came from. We walked and look at the trail and how difficult that was. And here we are and we're at the top. And that's what's important to do in these Psalms. Where have we been? I'm going to encourage you to do something. I use the YouVersion app. There's also another app. I think it's called Dwell. And I've been putting uh, these Psalms, start with 120, and just let them play. It reads, the ESV, or the guy will read to you or whatever voice you choose, and it'll just read to you all the way to 134. And I've been doing that the last few days to just meditate on it, to just be reminded of that's where we've been. This is the ground we've covered. Psalm 120 was a song of deliverance. The Lord is my deliverer. 121, a song of protection. The Lord is my helper. Remember, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? Not from the hills comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Psalm 122, a song of peace. The Lord is my peace. 123, a mercy. The Lord is my master. We wait on him and he waits on us. Psalm 124, a song of rescue. The Lord is my salvation. If it had not been the Lord on our side, let Israel now say, had it not been the Lord on our side. And what did we know when we started this series of what we would be encountering in these last few months? I had no idea of all of the blessings and burdens that we would encounter in this most unusual year of 2020 had the Lord not been on our side. Psalm 124, a song of rescue, the Lord is my salvation. 125, a song of safety, the Lord is my protector. And when he's protecting you, who do you need to fear? Nobody. Psalm 126, a song of joy, the Lord is my restorer. 127, song of significance, the Lord is the one who provides us. He's our provider. He's the one who gives children. Psalm 128, table is full, laughter, the joy of the Lord, a song of blessing, the Lord is my reward. Psalm 129, a song of sorrow, the Lord is my defender. Psalm 130, a song of confession, the Lord is my redeemer. 131, a song of tranquility. The Lord is my hope, like the weaned toddler who sits with his mother. The mother has denied him nourishment from her body, and now that toddler is content to just be with mom. And the psalmist says, that's me with you, Lord, even when you deny me what I wanted and what I prayed for. But I'm with you, and if I have you, I have everything. Psalm 132, took us a few weeks to get through that psalm. A song of Zion, the Lord is my covenant keeper, that promise narrowed down through David that you will have a child sit on this throne and that child will reign forever and ever. Psalm 133, last week, a song of unity. How good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity, sweet fellowship. Psalm 144, today a song of worship. The Lord is my maker. He's my creator. He created all things. So here's the question. Here's the big idea. Then what happens? When Psalm 133 is actually experienced, when that happens in the presence of the Lord, the people of God, what is the outworking of that? What happens when God's people dwell together in unity in God's presence. Well, here's, first of all, the first two verses sum up that we bless the Lord. Okay, that's the invitation. So there's a blessing. We bless the Lord, and we need God's help for us to be faithful. If we're going to bless the Lord, it's not just, you know, I'm going to just do this, 
and I have the sheer willpower to do this, and I'm going to, no, it's not going to work that way. We need the Lord's help. God, help us to be faithful. So the psalmist says, come, bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place, the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. So how do we do this? Number one, humbly. Letter A, humbly. We bow down. That's the word, right? Come, don't miss it. Prioritize coming into the presence of the Lord. This is a call to worship. We bow down, come, bless the Lord. What's the setting, all right? The psalmist is crying out, servants of the living God, bless the Lord. And this is a back and forth greeting that would have happened in the tabernacle and it would have happened in the temple. Possibly before the worshipers began their journey back home. They're just like, have you ever been to a concert and the, you know, the music rings out and then the crowd starts doing something? One more song, one more song. And they just keep the noise going. Somebody who's never been to a concert is like, what, the lights went out, I'm out of here. Like, no, 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 hang on, hang on a second. We want them to come back and play one more song. And then pretty soon, you'll see somebody come running off the side stage and then the lights come back on and the guitar or drums or whatever it is and some instrument picks it up and the crowd's like, yes, we don't have to go home yet. We're gonna have one more song in this place. Why? Because we, we love being together. Isn't it strange right now? that these types of things that we enjoyed and were familiar with, and they're not happening, and now you can see images of people watching sport, you know, sporting events. I got friends on Facebook taking pictures of themselves, their picture at the game watching the baseball game or whatever. What's going on there, you know? You're not there. Your picture's there, but you're not there. You can't high-five anybody sitting next to you. One more song. It's possible that it was the high priest. Anybody ever work the night shift? <laughs> That's lonely. It's tiring. It's quiet, usually. It depends on where you work. It can be long. You get hungry. I get hungry. Like, I'm here till 8. It's 12. Midnight. I'm hungry. I hope I packed a big lunch or somewhere is open. And you know what? Right now, in this whole time, there's things that are closed. They used to be 24-hour operations, and now they're closed. You know, due to COVID, we closed our doors at whatever time. Like, what? I need in there. You have something that I need, and I can't get in there. So this is encouragement. And possibly the high priest is going around, and he's strengthening the hands of the other priests and the Levites. Say, hey, night shift, come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's bless the Lord. Don't offer the Lord. I know you might be, come on, wake up, get with it now. Let's bless the Lord. Let's encourage one another. And the people could be shouting that out. Say, hey, we can't be priests in the Old Testament, but we're encouraging you. Bless the Lord. The word in Hebrew is barak. And it means to bow down. It means to serve. And I want you to remember that as we make our way through the psalm because it's going to come back up again and again. What's the significance of this? The ministry that took place in the house of worship was to be nonstop. In the Old Testament, the tabernacle and then the temple, the priests and the Levites, they took turns, and they served by lot. You get to the New Testament, Zacharias, by lot. He was to go in and offer, and then remember the angel of the Lord visits him and says, hey, uh, Grandpa Zach, but you don't have any kids or grandkids. Your wife is going to have a son. And he's like, what? 
Oh, is that going to happen? Do you know how old I'm here? It's going to happen, and you can't talk anymore until it does happen. And then John, the Baptist, is born. And you remember, they're like, what are we going to name him? Zachy Jr.? You know, no, no. John. That's what Elizabeth said. I'm like, oh, no, that's not a good name. The mom. They told that to his mom. No, you can't name your own son. And they come to Zacharias, who hasn't spoken in all these months. They say, what are we going to name your kid? And he writes it down, and he writes it down in this way, in Greek, John his name is emphatically and then his mouth opens and then he's able to bless the lord because it was his turn to bless the lord but he got the zipper he got the mouth shut and he didn't get to finish the prayer that was his turn a rare privilege compounded with your son is going to prepare the way for messiah what how is this going to now he believes and he offers a prayer that was all by lot it wasn't by how much you owned or, or all of those different things. It was just of the Lord. Who's going to serve where? Who's going to bake the bread? Who's going to take care of the animals? Who's going to take out the ashes? Who's going to do all these things? It was by lot, and they served, so they're being encouraged. This was so significant. It was all established in the Old Testament. The dwelling place of the Lord, beloved, is always open. That's why there's a night shift. That's why they're serving through the night. It was because the Lord isn't sleeping. He's not tired. He's not, he's not, you know, please leave a message. He's always open. His house of worship, always open. And so they required humans to be in that place serving the Lord. There was no chairs, no sitting down. The only seat in the house was the mercy seat. That's where the Lord sits, his footstool. Nobody else Nobody else sitting in the house of the Lord. What about the New Testament? In Mark chapter 11, you can turn there. In Mark chapter 11, it's, it's this week, the final week, the week of passion is unfolding. Mark's gospel is so abbreviated. It's so succinct. It's right to the point. And Jesus has the triumphal entry. And in verse 11, he entered Jerusalem, Jesus did, and went into the temple. Okay? Well, what time of the day is it? And when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the 12. A few verses later in this chapter, verse 15, he comes back the next morning and he cleans house. It's his house. Elsewhere, he says, it's my father's house. And that's the, I and my father are one. Jesus is God. And so he has the right to say, you're in my house and you're making a mess in my house and you're making a mess in my father's house, get out. He made a whip, drove him out. You ever visited a place maybe where you grew up or where you have special memories, and you go back and somebody else lives there now, and it doesn't look the same? There's a place I have in mind. It's in Kentucky. It's Ginger's grandma's house. All kinds of good memories that we had in that little you know, house out in the holler in Kentucky. Thanksgivings, Christmas, we'd be there. Stove, melting everybody. You couldn't, good luck. If you ate something, you're going to be napping in 10, 9, 8. I mean, it's just try to stay awake. The house doesn't look the same. She's in heaven. She's not worried about that house anymore. But the family, when we drive by, she's like, oh, I don't even want to drive by. Look at that. How many hundreds of trailers can you put around this house and cars and stuff everywhere? The barn is packed full of whatever is in there. And we have memories of, you remember when 
Not anymore. It's not our house. Can't make a whip. Can't go in and like, get out of here. Hey, it's my house now. Jesus is saying, it's my house. And he comes in and it's late. It's in the night. And where are the worshipers who are worshiping from the heart? Where are the people who aren't just going through the motions and aren't just standing there, you know, like up, down, kneel, sideways, bend, bow. He's like, where are the worshipers and what has become of my house? Oh, we are to be humble before the Lord. We bless the Lord humbly. We bless the Lord obediently. We're servants. We're servants. All you servants of the Lord. We're servants of the living God. Now, when Isaiah saw the vision of the Lord in Isaiah chapter 6, he responded to the holiness of God, to the grace of God with a willingness to serve. There's no greater honor than to be called, chosen, and cleansed to serve so great a king. You ever wonder, John calls himself in the gospel the disciple whom Jesus loved. What's he saying there? He loves me, doesn't love you. Is that what he's saying? No. The disciple, well, what's good about you? Jesus loved me. What are you known for, John? Well, I used to be known for being a son of thunder, loudmouth. Now what I want you to know is Jesus loved me. Just, just look to him. To be known as a servant of the living God, these priests, to serve the Lord, servants of God's people, the priests were representing God to the people and the people to God. They were to love God, to worship God, to serve God. And then that carries out, carries out that they're to love the people. On the high priest would be the breastplate with the 12 stones representing every tribe. Last week we talked about the anointing, the oil that would be running down the high priest's beard, the beard of Aaron, and it would cover all of those tribes and he would carry those tribes on his heart, on his chest. It was ministry. That's what ministry is, beloved. Listen to what Spurgeon says about those who serve in ministry. And he has in mind here pastoral ministry. He said, they, the servants of the Lord, are to bless men by their teaching, but they must yet more bless Jehovah with their worship. Too often men look at public worship only from the side of its usefulness to the people. But the other matter is of even higher importance. We must see to it that the Lord God is adored extolled and held in reverence. So our worship leaders, that's their role. Not to look look at me or, or what songs do we like. How can we best exalt, extol, adore, and rejoice in the goodness of God? And we lift him up. And Jesus said, you lift me up. I will draw all people to myself. And he would be lifted up on the cross so that we could be forgiven and redeemed. Oh, we're to, we're to bless the Lord humbly and obediently and continuously as this carries on. Our ministry is constant. We're always to be serving. That night shift can be tough. Temple priests constantly serving. So they're all encouraging them. Hey, bless the Lord. Come on, bless the Lord. Behold, check it out. You get to serve the God who made everything. So don't ever get confused of, oh man, I gotta serve in the nursery. You're serving the living God. It's snowing again, more salt, more shoveling. But when you switch that around and you say, but who is the one I'm serving? 
Now, if I'm just looking at you and I'm serving you, that can get tiring. And if you're just looking at me, like, he can really get tiring. But when we're fixed on Jesus, our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then it gives us the perspective that we need to dwell together in unity, that I can love you, you can love me. And I'm telling you, this week and the weeks that we have gone through, but specifically this week, another challenging week that those members of our congregation and close to our congregation have gone through and are going through the deepest valleys. And people from our church, you, people from the community, saying, I'm praying for you. That's what's happening here. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. And it's this antiphonal back and forth. The blessing of the Lord be upon you. No, you, we bless you. No, the Lord bless you. This is amazing. And I've experienced that. And I want to tell you, thank you. And you have to know that when people leave from fellowship, their job transfers them, or they just find a fellowship in another church, or they stop going church to church altogether. There's loved ones that we have worshiped with, that their marriages have fallen apart. They have stopped serving the Lord. And I don't know what's going on in them, but I want you to know, and if you're watching online, I love you. We miss you in fellowship. It's a privilege, it's a joy to dwell together in unity. And for some who are still playing it safe and at home, we're waiting and longing for the time when you will worship with us again and we can be in the presence of one another worshiping God. And I'm not adding that for guilt or, or, or fine, we'll go. I'm telling you so that you understand and it's heard, you are loved and when you're not here, you're missed. And we cannot live apart from the community of believers and make it. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. As is the manner of some, but even so much the more as you see the day approaching. What am I saying? God has said it. I need you. My family needs you. And you need us. And we all rely on the Lord. And we walk in fellowship together. And I love seeing my brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm glad and thankful and rejoicing to be with you today. And those who are joining us online, I can't wait to see you wherever I see you. Dependently. Dependently. We lift our hands. Listen, God doesn't need anything from me. God is not dependent on me. I am totally dependent on him. And when a child comes up to a parent and they put their hands up like this, Sometimes a parent can hold them, but what happens? Kids grow up. You got to carry me. I can't carry you anymore. But this is a dependence. This is a sign of surrender. I'm not fighting you. I'm dependent. I'm, I'm needing you. I'm surrendered to you. And so they would lift their hands. And they would lift their hands toward, this, toward the holy place, the sanctuary, the place that God set apart for his name, for his presence, for his people to be a blessing to all nations. And so they would come, and in dependence, they would lift their hands. And I, I wonder if you wonder sometimes, you know, like, why do people's hands go up if they're singing or, or maybe praying? It's a posture of prayer in the Bible. There's different postures. Sometimes somebody's laying, you know, face down. 
Sometimes they're kneeling. Jesus was kneeling in the garden. Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, he's on his knees, and then he lifts his hands in the air. And it's a dependence, it's a praise, it's worship. I mean, just watch a football game and somebody scores. Hands go up, it's rejoicing. There's so much communicated. The Hebrew word is connected that what it's saying is actually what's happening. Lift your hands. Listen, when we worship the Lord, something is being said when we raise our hands that, you know, as a man, I don't care what people think about me. You want to look at me like a dependent little child? I'm good with that because I am. So I care more about what God, what I need from God, who he is, and my worshiping him than I do about anything. That's why hands go up. It's hands raised, and we aren't concerned with, now what direction are we supposed to? God reigns on high, and his spirit lives in me, so I can't get it wrong. Our rows can be this way. Our rows can be that way. We can take out all the chairs, have no rows, and I can raise my hands to the Lord, and it's the right direction because he reigns and he dwells in his people. Reverently, we bless the Lord humbly, obediently, continuously, never ends. I'm not gonna retire from ministry. The day may come when like, yeah, but uh, we're going to need somebody who can put sentences together to preach, but I'll be serving somehow, some way, somewhere. Time changes things, but our ministry is ongoing dependently and reverently. We're to worship the right God the right way. Why, why are they in Zion? Why not go to some other place? Because the Lord said, what was holy about the ground when Moses came by? And, and the Lord tells Moses, take your shoes off. Why? He didn't say that. The Lord answered him, this is holy ground. I'm here and I'm meeting with you. The presence of the Lord. We worship reverently. The God that is to be worshiped is a God who's to be discovered, not invented. If we were to discover, you know, there's no way we can discover God without him revealing himself to us. And so we do. We seek him and we find him. We worship passionately. It's repeated again in the end of verse 2. Bless the Lord. But you already said that. Why do you got to tell us again? You said it the first time. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Their hands would have been purified through the ceremonies coming in, cleansing. They need the cleansing, but water can't wash away our sin. Only the blood of the lamb and that blood would be sprinkled once a year on the mercy seat and it was all pointing to Messiah to come who would lay down his life. Bless the Lord. Remember David dancing before the ark of the Lord? I mean, what did that really look like anyway? The king cutting a rug. What was he doing? What kind of dancing was that that Michael is like, are you kidding me? Now, if I try dancing... That is exactly what my wife would be saying. Like, come on, knock it off. You know, just stay right here. Just don't, don't get carried away. Michael, what is David doing? That's not a king. He didn't care. He cared more about worshiping the Lord and the Lord whom he was worshiping than he did what anybody thought about him. But then, look, do you remember Job? Job chapter one, that day that, you know, he lost everything that mattered to him. Job 1, how did he respond? Verse 20, then Job arose 
and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground. What, what is that a picture of? That's a picture of a man who's wrecked, devastated, just shredded. Everything, everything that was precious to him. He just had his wife left. How does he respond? He worshiped. He bowed down. He worshiped. And he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Say it with me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, before I came here, before we moved here, our youth pastor at the last church teaching a high school class on a Sunday, our next study that I was planning to go through, Job. We were going to just look at the life of Job. So the Sunday came, Job won. All right, students, you know, Job won. Here he is, he lost, he lost this and lost that. And here's the next messenger, bad news, worse news, awful news. The man's devastated and blessed the Lord. Then Wednesday night came. I'm in the gym, hanging out with the students, playing basketball. And he's like, hey, uh, Brian, we got to come on in. I'm like, uh, oh, okay. That was in 2005. The economy hit the tank. We had so many people at that church lose their jobs have to move out of state. It was just, they were devastated. And that was the deal. We have three pastors and we can't, we can't keep going on. We get built the building and we can't unbuild the building and we can't bring down utility costs. So you're, <laughs> bye, you got to go. Okay. I had one more Sunday to teach. Where do you go to now? Well, I'm really smart. My last name is Wise. I figured let's go to Job too. And I don't know if I was so much speaking to them as it was. I needed it. Job 2, Satan says, oh, he just serves you and, and has all this good, you know, blessed be the name of the Lord because you haven't let me affect him. You let me mess with his body, his health, he'll curse you. The Lord says, okay, but you can't have his life. You're on a leash. You can affect him, but you can't kill him. Only the Lord gives and takes life. And he worshiped the Lord. What was I praying? God help me to worship like Job. Highest praise, hardest times, bless the Lord. It's passionately. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So then verse 3. Well, what happens after everybody's like, bless the Lord. Come on, stand up. Let's worship. Let's praise the Lord. Let's be faithful. Let's worship the Lord. Then how do the priests respond? Verse three. It's the benediction. The Lord blesses us. We bless the Lord. The Lord blesses us. Well, what does this look like? Endless pay raises. Win the lottery. Yeah, the Lord bless me. It's not health, wealth, and prosperity. If you go through tragedy, you, you say goodbye to a loved one, you bury a loved one, the Lord's blessing has not stopped. He is faithful, and it's painful, and he's not running from you, and he, we just sang it this morning, he's with you. So we bless the Lord. 
priests would respond. Not with, we bless you, but the Lord bless you. The Lord can do a much better job blessing. And this is fruitfulness. When we see the blessing of the Lord, it's bearing fruit. And if you're like me, I like to plant something and go out the next day. I planted grass in my yard. I want it to be, I want to see it growing the next day. And all I see is the birds and squirrels eating all my seed. Right? Like that didn't go as planned. Fruitfulness. It comes in seasons, beloved. How does the Lord then bless us? Graciously. It's not earned. We don't deserve his blessing. May the Lord bless you. This was the the blessing that the priests would say over the people. May the Lord bless you. That the church and the singular would be as one person and each person united in one family. That the coming Messiah would bring healing to the nations. None of us deserve God's blessing, but in Christ, he has given us all things. Israel was delivered from Egypt by Moses. But the delivery that Jesus brings through the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection for all who turn from their sin and trust in him, that's a deliverance from sin, the penalty, the power of sin, and one day the very presence of sin. Isaiah the prophet, he prophesied about the coming suffering servant. Now remember what I I told you what the word in Hebrew, what the word was for bless the Lord, and it meant to bow down. Now, hang on a second. Is this okay for calling for the God of creation to bow down and bless you? Are the priests authorized to, to invoke God's blessing? God, bow down and serve your people. Does that sound borderline blasphemous? I would have to say, yeah, it has that sound to it. But then my Bible tells me of the night of Jesus' betrayal when the word who became flesh, and you remember what happened when they were in the upper room at the Last Supper, and the God of all creation, the God who spoke and created all things and stepped into time and eternity, born of a virgin, lived a life that you and I could never live. And as he is going to the cross, the Son of God, the Son of Man, Jesus Messiah, he gets up from the table. And he takes off his outer garment. And what does he put on? He goes over and gets the servant's robe. And he towel and he wraps himself in a servant's towel. And what does he do to his disciples that are all reclining around that meal? He bowed down to their feet. And he washed their feet. And remember, Peter expresses like, whoa, 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 whoa. This isn't right. This doesn't feel right. I should be bowing down before you. And the answer to that is you're right. But no, I'm not going to let you wash my feet, John 13. And Jesus says, if you don't let me wash you, you have nothing to do with me. And then Peter's like, whoa, stop the bus. Wash my feet. Go ahead. Give me a full full shower. And the Lord's like, nope, don't really want to do that. But I'll take care of your feet. But not all of you are cleansed. Peter, I've taken care of your heart. But not all of you have a clean heart. He's talking about Judas Iscariot. And Judas was wanting a God who would bow down to him. But not in ministry and not in service. He got offended when that, that, that money, I could have had that money. We could have given it to the poor. And the Bible says he just wanted it in his pocket. 
He wanted a God that would do what I want you to do when I want you to do it. And if you won't serve me, the God I invented, I'll quit you and I'll condemn you. That God doesn't exist. And beloved, listen to me. If you invent a God and you hit a point of shame, you hit a point of a valley and you feel worthless and you feel helpless, and you, what can the God that you invented do for you? If you can't solve your problem and you invented a God, that's your own creation. It's impotent. It has no help, no power, no help coming. But if you discover the God who created all things and came into time and eternity and walked this dirt ball that he made and laid down his life and bowed down and served, then you see this is grace. This is the grace of God. He's gracious to us. May the Lord bless you. He's gracious in this. Specifically, May the Lord bless you from Zion. This isn't random. This isn't just generally. Okay, this year, I'm the one with, with Russ. We laid it out. Okay, let's, let's pray and trust the Lord. We'll, we'll see the, this building you know, fund come in, and we'll see this loan taken care of. And then we can't meet for church. And I'm like, okay, great job leader, but we trust you, Lord. And through the faithfulness of the Lord and the generosity of God's people, he's done what I thought, oh, me of little faith. And he's done, and we can trust him. And the blessing of the Lord abounds specifically God's plan of redemption and salvation was coming through Zion. It's coming through Jesus. One location, available to all the world. But it's specific that Jews and Gentiles will be brought together under the lordship of Jesus, our great high priest. Listen to what Hebrews 4, verses 14 to 16 says, seeing then, okay? So listen, if you don't think you need help from anyone and you just have it all figured out and you're a self-made person, then this, this verse, these verses are not rich to you. But if you admit your need, if you can raise your hands to the Lord and say, help, and I need help, and I need forgiveness, and I need mercy, then seeing them, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, not just through the veil into the holy place here on earth in Jerusalem, but through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. There is never a time, beloved, that you can fall on your knees or fall on your face or be driving and wiping tears from your eyes as you drive down a road that you will ever pray. And the Lord say, I don't know what you're talking about. I can't identify with you. I guess I should have been there. He was. He understands. He identifies with us. We will see him who have come to faith in Christ. We will see him one day. And he is still bearing, Revelation tells us, the marks of being slaughtered on his body as a lamb slain. He didn't shed those scars. Oh, we're so quick to cover wrinkles and scars. Jesus is bearing the scars, not for his sin, for my sin for your sin, and those scars to him become honorable. This is what it cost. 
He did that for you. That's the high priest that Hebrews is telling us about. He sympathizes with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet, here's the difference, without sin. Okay, what does this do for us then? Here's an invitation. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Do you need mercy and grace today? What about yesterday? What about this afternoon? What about tomorrow? You'll never find closed. Come back later. Always open. That's why they needed to encourage each other. You're going into the night shift, the final service. Hey, let's, let's bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. The Lord bless you. Brings Jews and Gentiles together and makes us kings and priests. And Revelation 1.5 says to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has, he's made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him, to Jesus be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The Lord blesses us graciously, specifically, and abundantly. Abundantly. He's the maker of heaven and earth. He's the only one who can bless his children, his people, so powerfully. He has all the resources. He made everything. He owns everything. He made you. You belong to him as creator, creation, The question is, do you belong to him as father and child? And Jesus said, the only way you can come to father is through the son, and he's made a way. Can you relate to God as father? He's the only one who has the resources to bless his children so lavishly. My kids can come to me, and I I can't help you. I mean, they throw me some math questions every now and then. I'm like, oh, my goodness. All right, let me start over and clear all the cobwebs out, and my resources are failing here. That never happens with the Lord. In Christ, we're blessed to be a blessing to others. So think about this. Maker of heaven, okay? That means he's over all, he reigns over all, but contrary to deism, he created and he walked away. Heaven and earth. He's immediately and intensely involved in everything that is going on here on earth. So he has all authority. He reigns over all, and he's immediately concerned about what you're going through. He made you. He loves you. And he's waiting to bless you. So we bless the Lord, and the Lord bless you. And we bless the Lord, and the Lord bless you. So what are our next steps? All that will be faithful and fruitful in this. All right, here's the questions just to to talk over this afternoon, maybe this week, get coffee with a friend. What is it that moves me to bless the Lord? You hear the difference of a command. Bless the Lord. I said that, that doesn't move the heart. That doesn't, move the, that doesn't lead to worship. What moves you to bless the Lord? And, and the next question is this. What area or areas that we've talked about humbly, obediently, continuously, dependently, reverently, passionately? Which of these areas do I need to grow in my blessing the Lord? Where my heart needs to be recalibrated a little bit. 
And last question is this, where do we long to see God's blessing this week? Maybe that's in your own life individually. Maybe that's in your family or in your marriage or in our church or in our community. I'm I'm just asking, does our world need the blessing of God? And do you understand the difference of the Lord does not bless obedience or disobedience? I said that wrong, excuse me. He doesn't bless disobedience. And so we spread the word, we spread the gospel, we spread his love, we spread this message so that people will come into a saving relationship with the God who made them, loves them, and Jesus is coming again. And then when we're with him, there will be no more, hey, we gotta pack up again in the morning, we gotta hit the road again, and we gotta listen to the kids. How much further are we there yet? In the presence of the Lord? Yes. To serve him and dwell with him forever and ever. That is the message of the Bible. That's the story of redemption. So when the Lord spoke to Moses, and we sang this song this morning, and he said, speak to Aaron and his sons, the priests, saying, thus shall you bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them. So then this is what they were supposed to do. The priests, they weren't just going through a motion. They weren't supposed to be. But often we can, we can fall into going through motions. All of us can, can do that. But they would lift their hands over the people and they would say, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And then the Lord tells Moses, here's what they're doing when they, when they say this. Over the, the worshipers that would gather in the tabernacle, gather in the temple, so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And what does that mean? The Lord says, and I will bless them. That's a father. I will bless them. Come to me. I will bless you. That's what the Lord is saying. If you haven't ever come to him, if you haven't come to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, I will not make the mistake of telling you maybe next week. The Bible says today is the day of salvation to get right with God today while you have breath. Today. Let's stand together. Oh, Father in heaven, you are the maker of heaven and earth. And all too often, Lord, I'm so easily distracted. We can be so distracted from blessing you, from worshiping you. So, Lord, enable us by your Holy Spirit to render honor, praise, and lifelong ministry to you. Help us, Lord, to serve one another and the world that's in need. God, we long to praise and glorify you with all of our being. So help us, Lord, to offer to you and to you alone our highest praise in hardest times for every day of our life. We need you, we love you, and we bless your name. Oh, Lord, bless your people. Bless your word. Bless your church. Bless the gospel for your name, for your glory. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. 
please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.